a lot of these invisible women would fall into the Gen X category. Marketers and brands are not getting it that this woman that we're talking about between 40 and 60 has purchasing power for multiple generations. That's really, really powerful. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello, listeners. It's Katrina McCarter, your host. In today's episode, we speak with Liz O'Donnell, founder of WorkingDaughter.com. Now, Liz specializes in working with older mothers who are juggling a job, dependent children, and aging parents. I refer to this segment of the mum market as the invisible women. They claim to be cashed up with nothing to buy. Today, we explore this untapped segment of the mum market. And specifically, we talk about why this segment is the most dissatisfied with brands. We cover off the challenges these mothers face. We identify the extensive opportunities which exist for brands within this segment. And we talk about how brands can play an active role in supporting these mothers. I passionately believe that the invisible women represent one of the biggest opportunities within the mum market. So I hope you enjoy the next 30 minutes developing a deeper insight and appreciation into this powerful segment. Today on the show, we have a guest who is the founder of a community for women balancing caring for an aged parent and their career. Our guest is an award-winning executive with a specialty in marketing to women and creating content strategies that align to marketing objectives and drive business results. She has worked with clients in technology, finance, consumer products and professional services. She is the author of Mogul, Mom and Maid, The Balancing Act of the Modern Woman, where she discusses the impact of women's personal lives have on their careers and the ways businesses can support working women. Our guest today is Liz O'Donnell, founder of WorkingDaughter.com. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Liz, you and I share a really strong belief that mums in their 40s and 50s represent a really untapped segment for brands. Your strong beliefs and personal experiences have actually led you to launch a business to support these women uh, called Working Daughter. And I was hoping that you could share with our listeners a little bit about how Working Daughter came about and what your organisation does. Working Daughter came about after a very, very long day. I was working full-time. It was about probably about four years ago. I was working full-time. I had two young kids in elementary school. My parents lived a little over an hour away, and they were getting older. Um, Didn't need a ton of care at the time, but I was helping them you know, sort their pills and manage their finances and grocery shopping and accompanying them to doctor's appointments. I had just 
published Mogul Mom and Maid. So I had a lot going on um, on that front as well. And my mother had asked me to take her to the doctor one day. So I woke up really early, probably around five or six in the morning. And I sent a lot of emails for work, you know, got work scheduled and set up for the day. And then I got my kids out the door to school. I hopped in the car and I headed down to my mother's. I had an article due that afternoon to the Huffington Post. So I dictated it into my iPhone as I was driving. And when I got to my mother's to take her to the doctor, she wasn't ready. So we had to push the whole day back an hour. And then, you know, after the doctor's appointment, I took her to lunch. We picked up her new prescriptions. My dad needed some help with his computer. I hopped in the car. I had car trouble on the way home. I finally got back. I filed my article. And then I went out that night to speak to a group of young mothers about some of the things I'd written about in Mogul Mom and Maid about how to balance your career with your young kids. And it was about 11 o'clock at night I was driving home and I was so exhausted and so concerned about what I had seen visiting my parents, realizing that they were going to need more and more care. And I just had this thought in my head, we're all concerned about working mothers, but what about the working daughters? So that was the day and the moment that I really thought, there's an untapped market here. And so what Working Daughter does is um, really three things. I think one of the most important things is that it lets women and men, but I, I mainly cater to women, but it lets people who are caring for their aging parents know they're not alone. Because my experience as a caregiver to my parents was so much different than my experience as a caregiver to my children. On the motherhood and parenting front, there's so much discussion, so many resources but as a caregiver, a daughter caring for her parents, I wasn't seeing a lot of conversations. I didn't know other people were going through it, and I felt really alone. And then the other thing Working Daughter does is gives people permission to feel all of the things we feel when we are caring for our parents without any shame and without any guilt. Because when I was looking for support and resources, I would go online to these websites and the way they positioned caregiving for elderly people was just, it was all such a blessing. It was so wonderful and weren't we so lucky to do it. And while that's true, there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes with it. It's stressful. It can feel like a burden. You have all kinds of you know guilty feelings. Sometimes you want to pull your hair out and you don't want to do it anymore. And you feel really bad thinking that, but it's actually quite normal. So Working Daughter is both a website with content. There's a support group on Facebook. Uh, and I do some in-person or in real life um, support groups as well. And that goal is you're not alone and what you're going through is normal. And then finally, it provides resources and tools. So I have a membership um, package where you can join and have access to content and webinars and ebooks and any of the tools and resources that help you both manage caregiving and career. Before we continue with the podcast episode, I want to tell you about our podcast sponsor, Cooperate. Cooperate is a powerful marketing technology platform that allows marketers to visualize your brand's customer journey, deliver great content at each stage of that journey, and see how it all performs, all managed from one centralized location. 
Cooperate has been built by marketers for marketers. I've actually had the opportunity to see the platform in action and I genuinely think it's worth taking a look at if you're a marketer managing large brands which want to attract more mums. Now let's head back to the podcast. Liz, that's such a powerful conversation to be having and I think a really, really important one. Now, I wanted to talk to you about these these mothers that I actually refer to as the invisible women. I actually believe that they represent our most economically powerful segment within the mum market. Yet all the research that I've done so far is that they've come back as the most dissatisfied a segment of the mum market with the way that brands are communicating with them. And I'm really keen to get your take on why do you think that these women have higher levels of dissatisfaction than other generations of mums with brands? Well, I think you've really hit the nail on the head. And it's just what you've said that these women feel invisible to marketers. And because I have a marketing background as well, I can see where it stems from. As marketers were trained to market to segments and too often uh, marketers, brands look at moms as one segment. And you and I both know moms come in so many different flavors, right? Some of us work outside the home for money. Some of us volunteer some of us have young children older children so you you one you cannot lump mums into a segment as something that you market towards the other thing is that so many mothers are also daughters they're caring for both their children and their parents and they truly are sandwiched in that stress spot and then i think the other way that marketers typically market is to generations So a lot of these invisible women would fall into the Gen X category. And marketers today are so excited about the millennials, which I understand why they have interesting and new buying habits. And they're the largest segment that we're seeing from an age perspective. But they're not the only people buying. And in many cases, they're not as established from an economic power standpoint. But the marketers are so excited about the size of that segment that they're spending all of their time there. And then, of course, the boomers are really interesting because they're also a very large generational segment. And because of what's happening there, you know, they're aging rapidly. I think marketers are seeing opportunity there. But what they're missing is that it's that woman in that middle, that invisible woman, as you describe her, who has purchasing power across multiple generations. And the marketers just aren't speaking to that. Absolutely. Look, I really see this, Liz. You know, they've got dependent children at home. They've got parents that are with ill health. It's three generations of spending power that they really have. And when I speak to these women, they say, I'm cashed up with nothing to buy. And I just think that that is such an unmet and untapped opportunity within the marketplace. Totally. Totally. I wanted to ask you a bit about your book, actually, Mogul Mum and Maid. You interview in the in this book. You actually interview a lot of breadwinning mums about the challenges that they face. And I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what were the maybe the top three problems that these women experience. Sure. Uh, the number one focus of the book was the unfair 
unequal, let's say the unequal split of household chores and childcare that occurs in the majority of heterosexual couples and, and families, I would say. And that is that, you know, the data from Pew Research, from the American Time Use Survey and the Census Bureau all show, and I know that this um, carries across other countries as well, because I've dug in since I wrote the book, but women tend to carry a bigger load of household chores and childcare, regardless of how the marriage started, it just tends to fall into these patterns. And there's a whole host of reasons why. But the reason I wrote the book was I felt like the business world was looking at why so few women were reaching the highest levels, the C-suites, if you will, and addressing it at the office. Well, they need negotiation skills and they need assertiveness training and they need mentoring and sponsorship. And that's all true. But I think if we don't look at the fact that they're already at a disadvantage before they even walk out their kitchen door in the morning, then we weren't really addressing the whole issue. And so I sat down and interviewed 100 women and said, how do you split the chores? And ultimately, through these conversations, it turns out, you know, what the data shows on paper is actually playing out in their homes. And that causes a whole range of feelings that these women don't know what to do with. They may have seen their mothers a generation before embracing that household experience. And so they're not sure how they're supposed to feel about it. Or they heard that uh, the feminists, you know, in the 60s and 70s who went ahead of them blazed trails to help them do whatever they wanted at work. But now they don't know how to navigate that. And they feel like they should be able to navigate that. Or they're coming to the realization that, hey, my husband's not carrying his fair share and that hurts. And I don't know how to deal with that. So that was the number one topic and pain point for women. And then couple that with the fact that women were going to work and they were planning to go to the C-suite and bl uh, blaze trails and you know get ahead and climb the ladder. And they were disillusioned by what they were seeing at work. So they're struggling to do it all, and they're climbing this ladder to the top, but when they get up a few rungs, they're like, really? This is it? Why am I taking so much time away from home and my children when I'm not even that excited about what's happening in the workplace? And I think part of that is because it, we still work in such a male-structured workplace. And then the last, last part was that they just, and it's sort of back to what we were just talking about, they don't necessarily see themselves reflected in the workplace, in the culture, because again, I think marketers tend to be so black and white. So, you know, one or the other end of the spectrum, which is you're either a working mother and you've got it all together and you wear a suit and you carry a baby on one arm and, you know, everything's great, or you're home and you're nurturing and, you know, you're baking bread, but that's not the reality. The reality is I think women cycle through those roles multiple times a day. Need some help attracting more mums to your brand or business? Marketing to Mums can help you. This marketing and research consultancy founded by your podcast host, Katrina McCarter, can assist you. Marketing to Mums can identify gaps and unmet opportunities, undertake research to determine who your most profitable mum segment is, and help you create a strategy to gain a commercial advantage in the marketplace. 
Email hello at marketingtomums.com.au to find out more. Now, Liz, I actually had the pleasure of seeing you present, I think it was back in 2015 on one of my trips back to the US, and you were speaking about the unmet needs of mums in their 40s, 50s, and into their early 60s. Now, listen, I know that that's probably been, you know, more than three years now, but I'm actually not seeing a whole lot of change in the marketplace. And this segment, to me, still feels really unaddressed and overlooked And I wanted to ask you, what opportunities do you think brands are missing out on? And secondly, I wanted to ask you, what products and service opportunities do you see that exist? I know that it is not changing very rapidly because that same organization that you saw me speak at had me come back a year or two later and deliver almost the exact same address because it hasn't changed fast enough but there are there is some progress but again i think it goes back to the idea that marketers and brands are not getting it that this woman that we're talking about you know between 40 and 60 has purchasing power for multiple generations that's really, really powerful. And brands just aren't seeing that. They're ignoring her because she's not the cool and up and coming millennial. And she's not the baby boomer who they think there's a huge market for as they age. And neither of those situations are wrong. But you think about this woman in the middle, she's actually more likely to be making the purchasing decisions for the older adult than the older adult. And I'll give you an example. Today, I set up a new um, medication dispenser that a brand sent to me. Uh, They wanted me to try it out, you know, and it's basically you program in this, you you put all your pills in and you program how many times a day somebody takes a pill. And then you also program an app so that if you forget to take the pills, you know, or if the person you're caring for forgets to take their pills, you'll get an alert on your app. Well, foolish of anybody to market a product like that only to an older person because the technology was daunting at first the setup took a lot of time and most likely it's going to be the daughter the adult daughter or son who buys that product and says hey mom and dad I can't drive over here every Sunday and sort your pills I'd like to set this up for you and then I know you're in compliance and you don't have to worry about it you know so it's those type of examples and I think these stores still are set up with totally different sections. So you where you buy your children's diapers, for example, is a different aisle than where you buy adult underwear. And yet this woman is buying both. So why aren't these brands looking at the entire life cycle and making sure that this consumer who's buying for their babies is a customer pulling her all the way through? I think that's where they're really missing out. Yeah, I just see so many, so many opportunities. I wanted to ask you, look, how how could brands actually play a role in supporting these mums? You know, what do they need to do to show that they care in some way that's not seen as opportunistic or maybe inauthentic? Yeah, I think the most important thing they can do is listen. I don't think they're listening to the needs of these women's and women. And what would that look like? I mean, how do you how do you know that a brand is listening? Well, for one, I, I don't think there are very many forums for these women to voice their opinions. 
and whether it's conferences. I mean, there are so many conferences that are marketed to mothers that have mothers in the name. There's media that has mothers in the name. There are very few places for these women to go and talk about what's happening in their life. I'm going to attend in a couple of days here a big uh, women's conference. It's been going on for years. It attracts 15,000 women, and it takes just in my area, in Boston alone, and I know it replays in three other parts of the country. So you're looking at you know, 45,000, 50,000 women who attend this. When I looked at the agenda today, I wondered to myself why I was even going, because the sessions were heavily weighted on starting your career, you know, millennial women in the workplace, and a few sessions about your later in life pivot. Well, there's a whole host of stuff happening in between. So if women don't even have a place and brands who are sponsoring these events don't even set up, you know, sessions at these conferences to for women to talk about what's happening in their life or to listen to them, then how are they ever going to be able to meet their needs? Same thing when we think about um, social media influencers. I work with some brands on my, you know, consulting marketing role who have products and the sales data shows that they're selling to someone like me, you know, a woman who's 50 years old. But when you go out to do an influencer campaign with a social media influencer, they say, well, we should do Instagram. And the Instagram influencers are all in their 20s and 30s. Well, there's a huge gap right there. I, I don't care. I'm not following that influencer. I don't care what outfit she wore today because I'll never fit into that size anyway, right? So they're just not listening. It's really interesting and that's such uh, great tips there, Liz. I, I just see so much opportunity uh, in this segment and I love the way that you are so focused on, uh, I guess, helping brands understand this segment better. I wanted to change tack now and ask you, for the mothers who are actually listening, who kind of fit this invisible woman segment, what are some of the practical tools that you have found helpful, I guess, in managing business, the aging parents, dependent children and life in general? I'll say social media and I'll say it with a large caveat, because if you heard me speak, you've, pro you've probably also heard me talk about the dangers and the perils of social media. I think the perils of social media are that our friends are putting their best face forward at all times. And so we can um, get really down on ourselves when we see everybody else's perfect pictures and we wonder, you know, why we're not living up to it. But we have to remember that we're only seeing the best moments. We're not saying, seeing the day to day. So while there's certainly, you know, some navigating we need to do on social media, there's also a huge upside. And the upside is that you're seeing more and more support groups on social media that cater to these women because they're creating them themselves. I have a group on Facebook. It's a private group, you know, branded working daughter where several thousand women are talking about all of the issues as, you know, freely as they want to, because they know it's a private group and they know that the other women understand that, Hey, it's hard. Hey, I feel guilty. Hey, I'm thrilled I didn't have to go see my mother today. All of these things that make you think, oh, I can't say that in public, but everybody's feeling them. And um, so I think social media is a really powerful tool for a busy woman. Also, outside of the groups, tools like Twitter, where busy women who can't necessarily get out and network can go online, follow a hashtag, find other like-minded people and know that they're not alone and they can talk and they can create conversations and oftentimes turn those virtual 
friendships into real life networks. So I think social media is a is a great tool for this woman we're talking about. And again, back to what I was saying before, I think too many brands think Instagram is for young 20 and 30 shiny women, you know, with great wardrobes. It's more than that. It's also for older women with great wardrobes, right? And then the gig economy, I think, is a boon for these women because ride-sharing services are getting smart about what they need to do to cater to an aging person, for example. So if I can't give mom and dad a ride to the doctor, I know that I can call a ride-sharing service for them because they're starting to realize it's not just door-to-door. It's door-to-door, get out of the car and walk them into the doctor's office. And so they're starting to recognize that. Meal services are another great way um, that women can streamline their lives. The wardrobe sharing services like Stitch Fix and Rent the Runway uh, that allow women to have really robust closets, robust lives, but not have to be you know, heavy, heavy consumers and not have to spend a lot of time because the algorithms are really starting to figure out exactly what you need. So they're saving so much time. They're so customized. I think those are really great tools for women. And then there are some really interesting technologies. I mentioned the medication dispenser. So it's encouraging to see how many technologies are getting smart about how to cater to the caregiver specifically. And I think the reason that that's actually working is you're seeing people go through the caregiving experience, see how many problems there are, and then take their technology backgrounds and their entrepreneurial spirit, and they're really solving for other caregivers. So that's very encouraging. And then the last tool I would say, and it's not quite a tool, but something we can all work on is just practicing forgiveness for when we're not our best for when it gets really hard and we admit it, for the days that we just, you know, want to watch bad television and eat chocolate and not not go forward in the world, right? We are living the cycle of a life and we need to accept that and, and be okay with it. Liz, once again, some really great insights there. And I thought that they were, they were, again, some really great tips. Look, if people wanted to get in touch with you and explore this subject, this subject in a bit more detail what's the best way for them to connect with you the best way to connect is through working daughter so workingdaughter.com and that will lead you to facebook or to the coaching or to the content on there or to my email and my social media channels that's wonderful and uh, just for our listeners i'll make sure that they're all in the show notes as well so you can uh, you can easily click the click through to those Liz, I wanted to say it's been a real pleasure uh, talking with you about the unmet needs of mothers over 40. I mean, as I've said over and over again, I think these invisible women represent an enormous opportunity for brands right across the world. And for marketers that are listening today, I really challenge you um, uh, to uh, to share this episode with your team and to sit around and talk about and consider how you could best service and support these women. So Liz, a very big thank you for being on Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Thank you for shedding a light on these issues. Wonderful. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. I love talking about the invisible women and Liz was the woman who really first ignited my interest in this segment of the mum market when I met her a few years ago. 
This segment is perhaps one of the biggest opportunities which is currently being overlooked by marketers. I really challenge you to rethink your strategy and see how your organisation could better cater for this powerful segment of mothers. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organisation by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favourite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.